the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. So God willing, today we're going to conclude uh, the series that we've been speaking about, about the Desert Fathers. And uh, specifically today we're going to focus on speaking about praise and criticism. Um, and then if we have time, we'll also speak about the topic of um, reconciliation. So one of the sayings here, um, or one of the stories regarding Abba Macarius, he said, A brother came to see Abba Macarius the Egyptian and said to him, Abba, give me a word that I may be saved. So the old man said, Go to the cemetery and abuse the dead. The brother went there. Abuse, abuse means like to ridicule them, to mock them. Uh, and th the brother went there, abused them, and threw stones at them. Then he returned and told the ma old man about it. The latter said to him, didn't they say anything to you? He replied, no. The old man said, go back tomorrow and praise them. So the brother went away and praised them, calling them apostles, saints, and righteous men. He returned to the old man and said to him, I have complimented them. And the old man said to him, did they, did they not answer? The old man said, you know how you insulted them and they did not reply, and how you praised them and they did not speak? So you too, if you wish to be saved, must do the same and become a dead man. Like the dead, take no account of either the scorn of men or their praises. So um, this is a, a famous story, actually. Maybe some people have heard of it before. Um, it gives us a kind of an insight of what does it mean to be dead to the world? Um, what does it mean for us to really accept praise and criticism in the right way? The example here likens uh, us to like someone who would be like literally dead, buried. And when you go and you, you know, you offer praises to someone who is buried, obviously they, they don't respond. Not only do they not respond, they're not even moved. Like they're not, they, they don't even, they don't even care <laughs> that you're doing that. And when you go and you give them and you curse them, whether you curse or you praise, the response is the same. So here the idea is that we are called to be this way. So when we receive praise or when we receive criticism, that our heart is not moved, that we are not excited at the idea of praise, and that we are not disturbed at the idea of criticism. Do you think this is realistic? You're saying no. So, so tell me why. Okay. Well, that's what I want you guys to tell me. So, like, what is what what would be considered a good response to praise? So, is it the case that if we feel good when somebody praises us that this is wrong? Is that the case? Are we not supposed to feel anything? Because that's kind of what he's saying like a dead man, like a dead person. Okay? Redirect the praise to God. Yeah, very good. It shouldn't be your sole sense of worth. Very good, right? Like, we shouldn't define ourselves according to our accomplishments. Our identity should not be related to our accomplishments. And that's a very important principle and something that we struggle with a lot. Because whether we realize it or not, after we do something for a certain time, we begin to identify ourselves with that thing. And whenever we are good at something, without even realizing it, 
that almost like in some and in some people's cases that can become their whole life you know think about someone who maybe has gotten older and nearing the age of uh retiring and they work their entire life in a certain career right and they they associate themselves with that career so when they retire and they are not doing that anymore it leaves a sense of like low self-esteem, like low self-worth, because I define myself so much by something that now I can no longer do or I'm no longer doing. So I feel kind of like empty, right? I define myself by what I do. So, and you said redirect, right? Which is, which is also right. Like, if we believe that, like if we believe that God is working in us, right? If that's really what I believe, that God is the one working in me, then we would expect that the things that we produce are good, right? I mean, it wouldn't be bad, because if it was bad, then how could we say that God is doing it? So we expect and we want that God to, to produce good in us. So once, once we, we do something that's good, okay, do we then look at it and say, this is bad? Like, is that, is that what this is saying? Is, is what this is saying is, that we should never attribute anything good to what we have done. So if we get praised by someone, then, you know, like the typical pseudo-humble response is, oh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't all that. It wasn't that good. And, uh, you, you know, like, is that, is that really what humility is? Humility is to attribute that the things that we do are actually not as good as people say they are? Like, is that humility? What do you think? Right, it was through the grace of God that I was able to accomplish. So in that sense, right, it's not to say that we are not joyful that we have done something good. And, it, and we are, it's not that we're not joyful that someone else saw that we did something good. But that joy is redirected to God in, to in the form of thanksgiving and praising God. And, 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 and making it clear to people, whether through words or whatever means, that God is the one who is working through through me and to, to accomplish this, right? So the idea that I am not moved, right, means that I do not attribute to myself anything good, right? And the same way with the criticism, right? What if I am criticized um, for something, right? How do I take that? Sometimes, you know, we don't, we don't accept criticism because we're not willing to look at it objectively. And especially when the criticism is true, right? We don't want to look at it objectively. We, we become angry, we lose our temper, we lose our peace, and we want to defend ourselves because of pride in us that we don't want anyone to acknowledge or to point out in me any failure, right? Maybe sometimes we even can see certain weaknesses or failures in ourselves, but the moment that somebody else detects that or somebody else notices that, or someone points it out to us, then it takes on a whole other level, you know? Like, let's say I, I know in myself that I'm kind of lazy, you know? Like, I struggle with laziness. And I know this about myself. But if somebody comes to me and says, you're a lazy person, like, that, that, like we, can't, we can't tolerate that, you know? Like, who are you to come and say this to me? Even though what they were actually saying was true. Maybe because I've already admitted it to myself that it's true. So the idea also with criticism is how do we take the, the criticism we receive, even if the criticism is given with the wrong motive, right? How do we take the criticism that we receive 
and we take the good out of it. You know, the story of King David when he was uh, mocked by man, okay? And, 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 and David looked at this man and he said, God wants him to do this. God is communicating to me through him. God, God, even though, even though this man is not mocking me for a good reason, God wants me to hear his mocking. And God wants me to receive it with uh, like, uh, like a patient heart, right? It's hard for us to do that. But it also says something about myself. Like if I think that I'm all that, if I think that I'm so great, I won't be able to tolerate any criticism, whether it's true or not true or whatever. But if I know myself and I know that I am weak and I know I have failures, it's easy for me, I won't say easy, but it's easier for me to receive criticism without being moved to anger, without, without being moved to hatred, without becoming so impatient and upset that I can't tolerate to hear these words that are being said. So that's some you know, important lessons we can learn here, the sayings here. So Abba Agathon, he also teaches about criticism. Okay, we spoke about him before. It says, on one occasion, certain brothers went to Abba Agathon because they had heard that he took the greatest possible care that his mind should not be disturbed by anything. And they sought to try him and to see if his mind would rise to any matter, meaning that he would like lose his temper. They're, they're, they're purposely trying to get him to lose his temper. And they said to him, Are you indeed a Gothon? I have heard that you are a whoremonger and a boastful man. And a Gothon said to them, Yes, I am. And again they said to him, A Gothon, you are a garrulous and talkative old man. And he said to them, Indeed, I am. And again they said to him, A Gothon, you are a heretic. And he said to them, I am not a heretic. Then they said unto him, Tell us now why, in answer to all these things which you have said to you, which we have said to you, you have replied, Yes, and that you have endured them, all with the exception of the accusation of being a heretic. Abba Agathon said to them, The earlier things I accounted as profitable to my soul, but heresy means separation from God, and I do not wish to be separated from God. And when the brothers heard these words, they marveled at his solicitude and went away rejoicing. So when he was criticized about something personal, right, he, he accepted it because he felt what? What did he say? He said that it would be what? Accounted as profitable to his soul. You know, when, whenever we receive criticism, right, it, it can be purifying. It can, it can make us look at ourselves in a, in a more honest way, make, it, make us look at ourselves in a, in a more discerning way, like saying, you know what? I really do have these problems. I really, I really do suffer from this. And even if, you know, m m maybe not to the extent that um, the people are accusing us, but to an extent where I, I identify, you know, how often is it that we are receive some kind of criticism and our first instinct is to just say, no, I don't do this. I've never done this. I'm not like that. Because we care so much about the opinion of the other person. And that's, that I think, really the bottom line. Because we care so much about the opinion of others, we are not willing to admit that we have weaknesses even when we really do. Because we want to preserve our reputation. But this man, who was a very righteous man with a great reputation, okay, when people came to him and accused him of these, these things, he didn't even try to defend himself. He just said, you're right, I, I am. You know, when someone says you're a sinner, you're right, I am a sinner. That's true. And I don't, I'm not, I don't rise. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, get heated in anger against this accusation. It's simply a fact. Why? Because I'm not seeking to please you. I'm not seeking to have any reputation in your eyes. The only one that I'm seeking to please is God. And he knows me. Whether I say that I am or I'm not or whatever, it doesn't even matter. 
God knows me, who I am, what I do, my thoughts, everything, right? So whether someone praises me or someone criticizes me, it doesn't matter because I am not beholden to any person. It doesn't matter what other people say. And I think this is the point, is to grow in the virtue of not caring of to, to please man. I'm not trying to please anyone. It doesn't mean that I'm not obedient to authority. I am obedient to authority, but I'm not trying to impress anyone, right? I am who I am. This is who I am. And if you, f you know, point out flaws and failures in me, I'm not trying to hide those things. You know, I always find people who maybe are starting, are learning about like confession and trying to start the habit of confession. What I find often is that people uh, like by nature feel that if they, if they confess any sin, then it's almost like, oh, what are you going to say? You know, like, like what, uh, what are you going to say about me if I tell you these things? I'm, I'm embarrassed to tell you my weaknesses right? Because they think that somehow when I hear their weaknesses, uh, like I'm going to be offended or I'm going to think differently toward them without realizing that every single human being has weaknesses. And when you come and tell me your weaknesses, I'm not surprised. You know, I'm not like, it's, uh, it, it's, it, 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 I'm not surprised one bit, you know, and maybe I have the same weaknesses. To realize that we are all weak, like we, we put on like a facade, right? When we're dealing with one another. We don't, we, don't, we don't show each other who we really are. We pretend to be somebody, right? Because we're afraid of, of, of what other people will do or say when they find the truth about us. And sadly, it's true, you know? When, when Christ rebuked the Pharisees and he said, first remove the log in your own eye, then you can remove the speck in your brother's eye. Meaning what? Like, don't be judging someone else for a sin that they're committing, right? When, when you yourself are committing a far worse sin. And so we do this all the time. Imagine how the, the world would be different if each of us could read each other's minds and know each other's thoughts. You know, imagine how the world would be different. There would be no hiding. We couldn't hide from anyone. And we would all know all of each other's business, all of the, 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 the really bad things we think, all the bad things that we've done. All that stuff would be open, you know, for everybody to see. And I think what we'd find is that we're all pretty bad. You know, like, like the, the, there wouldn't be like there are very good and righteous people that somehow don't commit any sin. We would all be pretty bad. Like we would all, you know, see in, in each of us that, that there's a lot of bad things that are happening. So it's like saying, just be honest. You know, don't pretend. When we pretend, it's like, again, we're looking to, to our reputation and to other people as being like, these are the people I want to please. These are the people that matter to me, right? Instead, looking to God and saying, what? God is the only one. And because God already knows everything, there's no point in me trying to hide. I'm not saying that we go around telling people our sins, but I'm saying that we should be open and honest to criticism. If somebody, you know, notices a weakness in me, I shouldn't try to hide it. I shouldn't try to deny it. I shouldn't try to pretend like it's not there, right? And those who admit that this is actually true are those that, just like he says here, this is beneficial for his soul, profitable to his soul. That when we hear this, it purifies us. When we hear this, it reminds us. When we hear this, it helps us to change. Instead of when we hear this, it makes us offended. Being offended is not a helpful emotion. Being offended. Being offended doesn't help anyone. Just the fact of being offended. 
right? What's, 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 what's beneficial is hearing criticism, thinking about it, maybe finding the true parts of it, because, you know, some, oftentimes criticism is not true, but we take the parts that are true and we really take them to heart and say, you know what, this is true. And I, I'm not so worried about the fact that I've been discovered or been exposed or been whatever, right? Because I'm not, I don't care about people's reputation. What I care about is, is growing in Christ. Any comments about that before we move on? Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, this uh, idea of like being offended is, is just like almost like, a, almost like a religion where you have to just be offended. And, and, everyone, and someone else is always to blame for something, you know? Like, I never look at myself and say, you know, I'm to blame. I'm, I shouldn't have done something or I need to change. It's always someone else who, if they said something differently, if they did something differently, and I, I always find reasons to be upset. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, St. Anthony the Great. Right, maybe the most famous. We haven't talked about him yet, um, but Saint Anthony the Great, we call him the father of the monks. He was the first one who really went and established like a formal type of monasticism. He was born in um, in Egypt in 250 A.D. He was the son of peasant farmers who were Christian. He went um, to attend a liturgy and church, and he walked in and he heard uh, the gospel being read, where it said, "Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and come and follow me." This was um, what the Lord said to the rich young ruler. And when he heard this, he took it to heart and he considered that God was speaking to him personally. So he decided after this to go and sell all that he had and to go into the desert and to begin to live this life of struggle um, in the desert and asceticism. So in about 285 AD, he went to the desert and he visited Alexandria during the persecution of Christians. So there was a period of, there was actually, he wanted to be martyred. He went to kind of, go and, and suffer with those who are suffering persecution and to be martyred, but God did not allow him to be martyred. He ended up going back um, to the desert and he lived the rest of his life there. He died at the age of 105. And if you're interested in his story, it's very interesting. Um, St. Athanasius actually wrote it down in a book called Life of Anthony. And you can find this, you can download it. Um, you can buy books on, like on Amazon about the life of Anthony uh, written by St. Athanasius. It's a very interesting um, not just historically like what happened to him, but a lot of his sayings, a lot of the stories that happened to him. It's like very, very nice to read and very influential in spreading monasticism. So um, what did he say or what happened with him regarding this topic of criticism? So it says, the brothers praised the monk before Abba Anthony. When the monk came to see him, Anthony wanted to know how he would bear insults. And seeing that he could not bear them at all, he said to him, you are like a village, magnificently decorated on the outside, but destroyed from within by robbers. You know, when, when it's, it's easy for us to, to receive honor, right? But the true test is when, when we receive insult, what is, what is it that we, how is it that we respond? And, and here he said what, from the outside, right? 
as a monk. When you see someone who is a monk, right, their appearance, just by the way they look, they look like, okay, this is a holy, righteous person. But St. Anthony said, what, you look like this from the outside, you're, you're magnificently decorated, right? But from the inside, you're destroyed by robbers. We should not be fooled by the outside. We should not be fooled. And even in ourselves, you know, if I have a certain rank, if people praise me all the time, that shouldn't be something that fools me, you know, to make me think something about myself. I look in my heart and I try to know myself, just like Abba Agathun. He was a holy man. He was a miracle worker. He was very wise. And yet when people came to him and, 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 and cursed him and insulted him, he didn't try to, you know, say, who do you think you are to come and talk to me like this? Don't you know who I am? No, he said, what? You're right. This is, this is who I am. This is the true measure of, of a humble person um, from the inside and the outside. Conflicts and reconciliation with others. This is the other topic I wanted to talk about today. This is an interesting story. <laughs> it says, two old men had lived together for many years, and they had never fought with one another. The first said to the other, let us also have a fight like other men. The other replied, I don't know how to fight. The first said to him, look, I will put a brick between us, and I will say it is mine. And you will reply, no, it is mine. And so the fight will begin. So they put a brick between them, and the first said, no, it is mine. And the other said, no, it is mine. And the first replied, if it is yours, take it and go. So they gave it up without being able to find a cause for an argument. <laughs> it's kind of a funny story about these men who like, have never experienced conflict, and they're just living in peace. And so they try to artificially create conflict between the two of them by arguing about something. And they quickly, because it is by nature, by their nature to have peace, they can't have a conflict. They are not able to have, a, have an argument right, about, about something. And so it teaches us something about reconciliation. There's another thing, like during the time of the Great Fast, like we're thinking about our relationships, you know. We're thinking about who is it that I have offended? Who is it that I am at odds with? Who is it that I have maybe mistreated? And how is it that I can correct this, right? In, in the hearts of these two men, it, it almost seems like pain-free. Like, it's, it, like I, I'm not able to have conflict with anyone. I am so detached from everything. I don't I don't I just I just have kindness and love for other people, right? But oftentimes that's not us. You know, like oftentimes we fail to do that. We're not able to to follow through and have, you know, a love for other people in that way or that we avoid conflict. And so we do fall into conflict and we fight with people. So how is it that I can be um reconciled? Right? How is it that I can show love again? How how can I approach someone and it kind of, you know, ties into what we were just talking about before. Sometimes we avoid apologizing when we, f when we fail because I care so much about my reputation. I don't want everyone to say, look, this person, he has a problem with his temper. He has a problem with whatever. But actually, and, and if you look in your life, if there's ever been a situation where somebody offended you and they came to you and they said, you know what, I'm sorry for what I did. I shouldn't have done that. How much more respect do we have for them? You know, how much more respect do I have for a person who is able to come and actually acknowledge their mistake? So that could be us, you know. Whenever we make a mistake, we go and we say, you know what, I'm sorry I did this. It was wrong for me to do. But again, if all I care about is my pride, if all I care about is showing other people that I'm right all the time, then it's very hard for me to do that, right? Reconciliation and avoiding conflict with people 
is one of the most important things we can do because our lives are filled with relationships. And one of the biggest sources of, of pain in the world is conflicts in relationships, whether it be a marriage relationships or friends or parents and children or, you know, every type of relationship. If you, if you, if you, if you learn to have humility and to have peace between you and other people, it makes a huge impact on your life that you are not always fighting. You're not always warring. You're not always trying to attain. You're not always like in, uh, in like having conflict, right? And this conflict, you know, sometimes is not in our in our ability, right? Some things we can't control. If somebody mistreats me, I can't control how they treat me, right? But I can control my reaction to it. I can make excuses for them. I can forgive them. I can just, you know, like again like king david just say you know what god wanted me to to hear these words or god wanted me to to experience this so there's a lot of things that i can do in relationships to um avoid the conflict or respond positively when i am in a conflict and feel like i'm able to restore peace in a relationship because i in my humility i am not trying to fight i'm not trying to go after my rights i'm not trying to prove that i am right instead i say okay what what's more important than proving that i'm right is having peace right? Having peace is more important than showing who is right and who is wrong, because I'm going to live with this pain of conflict for a long, long time uh, if, if it's not resolved. Not judging others is a part of this as well. This is another story about St. Anthony. It says, when blessed Anthony was praying in his cell, a voice spoke to him saying, Anthony, you have not yet come to the measure of the tanner who is in Alexandria. When he heard this, the old man arose and took his stick and hurried into the city. When he had found the tanner, he said to him, Tell me about your work, for today I have left the desert and come here to see you. He replied, I am not aware that I have done anything good. When I get up in the morning, before I sit down to work, I say that the whole, that the whole of this city, small and great, will go into the kingdom of God because of their good deeds, while I alone will go into eternal punishment because of my evil deeds. Every evening, I s repeat the same words and believe them in my heart. When Blessed Anthony heard this, he said, My son, you sit in your own house and work well, and you have the peace of the kingdom of God. But I spend all my time in solitude with no distractions, and I have not come near the measure of such words. One of the struggles of the monastic people, right, is pride about who they are, because they have left everything, and, and they have made you know they, they 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 have sacrificed so much and they spend their entire life in spiritual struggle and they go away from everything and are detached from the world and so what creeps into their heart oftentimes is this feeling of pride and that i am righteous because i have done all of these things and here god was reminding saint anthony that you go to the world and you find a man who hasn't done any of those things that you have done or any of these ascetic practices that you have done and yet he sits there with absolutely no judgment, and he considers himself to be the worst of everyone else, even though maybe he is the most righteous, but he doesn't see that in himself. He honestly believes that he is a sinner. And this kind of leads us, maybe a good conclusion to this whole topic, is the idea of asceticism itself. A lot of the things we've talked about, and a lot of the things we in the church talk about, like ascetic practices. Why do we do ascetic practices? The ascetic practice is not the goal. And this is kind of the trap that maybe some of the monastics fall into, 
is because they spend their whole life doing ascetic practices, they consider themselves righteous because of all the effort that they put in. But asceticism is only the means and the way that leads us to union with Christ. So the goal is union with Christ. The goal is to be with the Lord. And if asceticism leads us there, then asceticism is good. But asceticism can become vain. Asceticism can be a form of idolatry. That we begin to look at our asceticism and become proud of ourselves because, look, I have attained all of this. I, have, I fast until evening every day. I do 100 prostrations every day. I have left the world and I live in the desert. I pray all of the prayers that I'm, you know, I pray for five hours a day. I do all this. And the focus starts to become on, look at all of my great effort that I'm doing, as opposed to look at, you know, the, the union that I have with Christ. And here this man, as a reflection of this love that he had for God, he was so filled with the love of God that he could not judge. That he looked at the entire world around him and he said, what? All of these people are better than me. And something maybe as we Orthodox, we struggle with. We sometimes think so much about how we have the right faith and we have the right church and we have the right practices and we have the right things. And that's true. But am I right? Just because our church believes all these things and has all these things for our benefit. Does that mean that I am the righteous person? Does that mean that I am the one who's following all these things and doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing? Instead of me thinking about myself as being I am righteous and I am right, we look at those people who are maybe not even Christians and we say, what, maybe those people are more righteous than me. It doesn't mean that they have salvation. Salvation comes through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we look at them as human beings and we say, you know what, maybe they actually are more righteous than I am. Maybe they do good, more good works than I do. And so this idea of having a lack of judgment, right, and judging others, this is a way of also of reconciling. When I look at the person who I have a conflict with and I say, you know what, maybe this person is more righteous than me. Maybe I am the one who is fa a failure and that person is actually better than I am and I should go and reconcile with them. Maybe they have a point. Maybe I am a sinner. Maybe I have failed. So it's important for us to always remember all these things and as far as like what we learned from the Desert Fathers. The Desert Fathers are very rich in, 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 in kind of showing us and being an example of righteousness in so many different virtues. And we learn from their example. But we can't look to their example as being, this is what we have to imitate. This was the means by which they had salvation. This was the means by which they reached God. This is the means by which they experienced God. And each of us has a different means. Each of us has our own circumstance, our own life, our own situation. And God wants us to live rightly in that situation. You know, whether it be I'm in a marriage and maybe there's a, a constant struggle that I have with my spouse about something and that I am called to have patience and I'm called to have mercy and I'm called to work on myself and to control myself or whether I have children and I am always struggling with their misbehavior and I'm called again to have patience and love and mercy on them and that all these ascetic practices are a means by which I not only attain salvation for myself and righteousness in myself, but I become an example to those people around me so that they will see my example and they will also change. Saint Seraphim of Seraph, he said what? Acquire the love of God in your heart and a thousand souls around you will be saved, right? We oftentimes as the church, we try to sermonize. We, 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 we can talk a lot and we have a lot of things to say, but what really affects people? What really can change someone? It is not just words 
but it is an example. And this is what the Lord Christ did. He didn't come to just say sermons. Of course, he did. But he was an example. He was different than anyone else. And people believed him and followed him because of who he was, not just because of, who he, of what he said. And this is an example for us because we are the church, right? We are a church that is the light of the world. And as the light of the world, we are called to be an example to the world and not to become like the world. And even as the world, you know, is in darkness, we shouldn't become like the world. We shouldn't become darkness. We shouldn't be attracted to the world. And this is the problem that we have now in the church. So many of the youth, right, who grow up, you know, with other people and, in, you know, in secular schools and, you know, having friends that are from outside the church get attracted to the worldly ways, right? And they forget who they are and they don't understand their identity. The more we teach about the Orthodox faith, the more we teach about what we believe, the more we teach about our history, the more we teach all these things, it helps remind us of who we are. We are not of the world. We cannot live like the world because then we will completely be dissolved in the world and we will have no identity. Reading the Desert Fathers helps us to remember who we are, that we are, we are called to be righteous, we are called to love God, we are called to be different than the world, and, 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 and we should always meditate on these things. So I, f I feel like, me personally, the, um, um, the, the, the reading of the Fathers, and, and specifically the Desert Fathers, because it's very spiritual, um, I find that it's very um, motivating and encouraging. And I would encourage all of you to read more um, in a lot of the things that the Desert Fathers said. If you remember the books that I mentioned at the beginning, there's a book called The Sayings of the Desert Fathers, and there's another one called The Paradise of the Monks. Um, very, very good books to, to read and get more information about the Desert Fathers. Okay. And glory be to God forever. Amen. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for this day. We ask for your blessing in everything that we do. We thank you, O God, because you have filled us with the knowledge of yourself. Help us, O God, to live according to this knowledge, to live according to the example that you have shown us to live, and so that you can be a, a source of attraction for those who are living in darkness in the world, to bring them, O Lord, out of where they are. We spend so much time arguing and trying to explain with reason why the things that are happening around us don't make any sense. But sadly, the minds of the people have been so twisted that they cannot even understand the simple arguments that we make. We ask, O oh God, that instead of arguments, you fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit so that we can be an example to those who are on the outside to win them to the truth through love and not just through the mind and not just through reason, which have been so weakened, O oh Lord, by sin. We thank you, O oh God, for your kindness and your mercy upon us, teachers your ways, and help us to learn more about you. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully, our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, and the communion of the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.